fixing it with our fathers can free men to lead more meaningful lives. Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Welcome to another episode of Man Up, Man Down. On the podcast is Steve Kaur. So Steve spent his 20s and 30s working flat out as a marketing manager in three big organizations. So aged 40, he fixed it, as he just suggested, with his father, and this transformed his life completely. So he followed his heart and set up his own company as a leadership coach. Since then, he has worked with over 20,000 people, most of them men, in more than 100 organizations in 20 different countries. He has given TED Talks, and we will link to that in the show notes, of course, on understanding men and the relationship between father and son. More importantly for him, he has radically improved his relationship with his wife, his children, and himself. So Steve, officially welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is the first podcast that I've done. So although I've done lots of talks before, uh, you'll have to guide me a little bit here. I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone. Well, I'm always out of my comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, welcome to the team. But, I mean, well, I've seen your TED Talk. I, I mean, I, I said before this, I'm the one that's nervous because, yeah, Steve's TED Talk had me in tears. I think that TED Talk plus the book he recommended to her, um, on the TED Talk as well, actually, Manhood, which I read. Um, we probably shouldn't read the chapter out on men. But, uh, yeah, reading reading that father-son relationship and, and that book, it did bring tears to my to my eyes as well. So... Steve, why is that? Why why are we tearing up when we talk about our our fathers? We should be full of joy. We should be full of, you know, gratitude for them bringing us up. Why 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 do we tear up? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've just read the chapter before starting today, the same chapter that you're talking about. I've read about two or three hundred books about leadership and about people. I'm very very passionate about it. And I've read a few of them many times over. Um, but that chapter in the book, the chapter's called You and Your Father, and the book is called Manhood by a guy called Stephen Biddle. From all of the chapters of all of the books that I've read, there's something that's really searingly honest and deep. It's, it's like reading a, a deep truth that perhaps we know deep down how important that relationship is with our fathers but it never gets talked about and uh and i think yeah i think that's why people who read that chapter yeah do feel emotional because it seems to be a, a, an inherent truth that perhaps we don't fully understand how important relationship is with our dads i mean i i haven't i haven't read it chapter so i mean are you one of you able to summarize just to uh, let me actually so read. Let me actually read something out of the book. After all, sure. because I just grabbed it because it's here and it's um, you know it's 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 this phone conversation which I think you know you know the the, the opportunity for you know 
when when the father answers the phone and the son begins to try to tell him, right? Because he wants to have this conversation with his dad. And he says, hi, dad, it's me. Oh, hi, son, I go and get your mother. We can all relate to that. No, don't get mum. It's you I want to talk to. Why? Do you need money? No, I don't need money. And the younger man starts on his somewhat rehearsed but still vulnerable speech. I've just been remembering a lot about you, Dad, and the things you did for me. Working all those years in a job you hated to put me through. College. Supporting us. My life is going well now, and it's because of what you did to get me started. I just thought about it and realized I never really said thanks. Silence from the father. The son continues. I want to tell you thanks and that I love you. Long pause before the father answers. You've been drinking. <laughs> so, and it says in the books, the audience laughs with a tear in their eyes. But I remember having those conversations. You know, at uni, saying, oh, yeah, thanks for, for putting me through uni. You know, and then being a bit more open. Yeah, oh, you've been drinking again, right? Why why can't fathers say, like, oh, it's great. You know, it's it's great that you tell me that, or thanks for telling me that. I yeah. think it's because of the generations that they come from, huh? Do you think it gets better? Is it just our generations? Is it? I mean, we, we talk a middleman middle-aged men, right? Is it us? Is it just our generation? Where does it start? Where does it stop? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I think it's getting better. I definitely think that it's getting better through the younger generations. Uh, men or fathers being able to talk to the sons and the other way around. But I think the generation, my father's generation, it was almost impossible for them to talk properly in a sort of emotional way to their sons. And, the, and uh, the reason why was because of the way that they were brought up and because of the relations they had with their fathers and because they were encouraged not to have emotions, not to be vulnerable, to be tough, get on with work. And in those times, I think, you know, my father's generation, it was about survival. He was very poor. He was brought up in a poor house. He's, he never saw his dad who worked in a factory six days a week. Um, so he never, he never had a father figure. So he had no clue how to bring me up and my brother, my sisters. He didn't have any idea. And I must say, what I've realized, <laughs> took me a while to realize this, because of the way my father brought me up, I had absolutely no idea how to be a father. I, I didn't have a clue. Not, not a clue. I knew what I shouldn't be doing. Uh, which was what basically how my father brought me up. But I didn't know myself. And my son is incredibly important in my life. And my daughter. And yeah, you, I had to sort of make it up myself and learn from other people, read a few books. But if, if I'd have taken what I had from my father, yeah, it would have been a disaster. And I wouldn't have been able to talk to my son. I mean, you that that is sort of something that you talk about in your your TED talk, so um, I mean, would you mind just sort of telling us about your childhood and your relationship with your father at that age? Yeah, well, 
my life, in a way, you could split it in two parts. <laughs> Before I fixed it with my dad, when I was about 40, uh, and after. And it really has been a, an incredible change, a transformation. Because in my 20s and 30s, I was a workaholic. I worked for big companies. I worked 60, 70 hours a week. And, of course, I tried to be a good dad when my kids were young. Um, but I was just exhausted the whole time. And my life then, if I'm honest, if I look back now, was, was sort of black and white. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't much joy or warmth or kindness. I was just really working hard to try and stay in the company with all these reorganizations happening. And I'd see my friends uh, at the weekend, which was great. And we'd go out and get drunk and have great fun. But we never, ever talked about anything important. I think my son's generation, they do talk now more about important things. But in my, people who my age, we have, we have great relationships, but there's no depth to them. And what happened basically was, I, so I worked for many, many years really hard, doing the best that I could. We got a bit heavy, drunk quite a lot of beer, was exhausted every Friday because I worked so hard through the week. And, and I was finally let go from a company that I worked with for 11 years. Um, and what was really great was there was a girl, a, a young, very beautiful uh, Dutch Chinese girl who worked for me. And she saw I was struggling. And she said, she said, Steve, I've got a friend of mine who saw a therapist. And it really helped her with, I don't know, whatever she was going through. And I'd read a lot of books about things like that. I never really thought about myself. And, and just before I was made redundant, I went to see a therapist for the first time in my life. I had no idea what to expect. And that was a, a really important moment in my life. I just sat and talked to somebody who understood what men are like or you know, what problems we have as men. And she listened to me for two hours and I listened to myself and I felt peace of mind. Like, I don't know, I never, I, never, I never felt like that before. It was such a relief to get out of my head and listen to myself you know, in a safe sort of environment. And for me, that was the start of the journey of transformation, in a sense. When I'd been there two or three times, she, she, asked, me, she asked me a question. She said, what's the relationship like with your dad? <laughs> and I said, well, not very good. We don't get on a very awkward sort of conversation. And as I built up a relationship with the therapist, and at that time I wasn't working, so I had time on my hand for the first time like ever, she said to me, she said, what I'd like you to do is, I'd like you as homework this week to write two letters to your father. One about anger, about all that happened when we were young, and one about love. And I thought, that's a bit strange. She said, you don't need to send the letters, but just write them. So being a sort of determined guy and, you know, getting a lot out of the process already, I found some time in my attic at my house and I wrote those two letters. And emotions that I'd had hidden and buried away for like decades came out because I'd never really expressed my anger or my love about my dad. And then... I saw her and explained what had happened. Obviously, it was a, I found it very healing to do that, very strange, quite confrontational. 
And I'd ob obviously told her the story. The story of my childhood was my mother died when I was eight. And when I was about nine, my stepmother showed up, very disciplined woman. And when I was 13, she said to my father, either he goes, pointing to me, or meaning me, I wasn't there, or I go. And basically, my father and my stepmother put me in a children's home. So I had a really difficult, felt rejected. And, and, and for, yeah, and I somehow managed to go to university, meet a wonderful woman, get some friends, and yeah, worked, worked really hard. I was very insecure, I think, in my 20s and 30s at work. Didn't really have good relationships with my bosses. The real fundamental problem I had, which I had no idea, was I didn't have a good relationship with myself. And by getting therapy and then fixing it with my dad, that all completely worked itself out. It sounds a bit like a monologue that I've just done. <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing is, is I think, you know, there are many of us that have complicated relationships with our fathers. I mean, but yours does seem, you know, to, yeah, to be thrown out at the, that age, you know, I, I guess in some ways it's like, well, that's what drove you on to become successful in the early days of your career. But, um, so, I mean, well, and you say you met your wife. So, um, I mean, so how old were you when you became a father? I was 30, 31 when I became a father, when my daughter was born, 33 when my son was born. Um, but fixing it with my father happened about seven or eight years after that. And what I remember a lot about when the kids were small was when we used to go on holiday for a couple of weeks to Italy, I used to fall in love with my kids. It took me a couple of days to get out of work in my head. I was working like a nutcase, and I'd always have a cold, though I'd be a bit ill, because I'd obviously worked too hard and then got on holiday. And then, of course, I had 10, 12 days with my wife and my kids, fall completely head over heels in love with them. Loved, I love little children. And then the holiday would be over, and I'd be back thinking about work all of the time, or most of the time. Uh, which is not fair for my kids, of course. Eh? So, I mean, were you? Did that mean that you weren't ever sort of around for like school plays and things? Or yeah, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I would say half. I yeah, was a, probably around half as much as I should have been, could have yeah. been, until until my kids were about seven or eight. And yeah, you don't feel good about that. You know, it's not right. But when you're trying to survive in a company. And you've got a boss telling you you've got to get stuff done. And whether it was a boss or whether it was in my own head, I don't know. <laughs> but I did, yeah, I did miss time with my kids. I would say the biggest regret of my life is that when my kids were small and my wife lost her father, I was in work mode. I wasn't there for my wife and I wasn't there for my kids anywhere near as much as I would have liked to have been. The good news of the story is, after I fixed it with my dad, and in the last 20 years, oh, I've, I've been there definitely for my wife and my kids, and uh, yeah, it's a bit like a Sound of Music family. It's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> but to, to be honest, what you're saying, I think, you know, it resonates with me, and I'm sure it will resonate with a lot of listeners as well, because, and, and, I th and I'm curious, actually, if it is a generational thing, because I, 
I grew up with that mindset of you have to work, you have to work really hard, which probably comes from my granddad. You know, I mean, he was born 1908 in Germany, so First and Second World War, you know, never giving up, you know, keep on going. My my grandmother, and, and I'm talking about my father's side here, um, my, my grandmother used to, used to um, you know, saw things, you know, like, like work throughout the night, you know, to keep the family alive during, during the war. And obviously that that was inherited by by my dad, right? And my dad was really hardworking. And once he was around, because he was a teacher, he was around, you know, half days, you know, the afternoon. He was always busy, right? It's not like he, he was playing. He never had time to play because he was busy. And and I had the same, and I still have the same um, work attitude. And, and, and to to your point, right? I, I and I said that on the podcast before, I, I had I have regrets where I left my my ill wife and the kids at home because I needed to go to work. Um, which you know, if we fast forward now post pandemic, I could have just done all everything remote, right? But we we weren't in that situation, and I hadn't solved the problem with myself and or my father. And and yes, we we weren't told how to be a good father, right? We 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 wing it all, and um, I think the other thing is. What well, at least on 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 my part, which which um, you know, and a big shout out to my wife, I I needed to learn, and I I think I have learned, you know, I I don't know who, who verifies that, to show emotions within a family context, something I didn't learn from home, but my wife learned from home, and being able to learn that and build a different relationship with my kids than I have with my my parents, I think is huge. Yeah. But I think you, I think you said what I said resonated. What you just said resonated. I, th- I think it, I think if you're forty and above, you come in this sort of hardworking thing that is probably not necessary now. But that was formed by the whole way we were brought up. It was necessary with my grandfather and my father. It wasn't for me, although I didn't know that. And somehow, we've got to break the pattern. We've got to be the change agent. Our generation or your generation, you guys are younger than me. We've got to we've got to be the change agent that shifts everything about the male culture from being hard and cold and working all day to being caring and warm and yeah, connected with our hearts and loving our children and loving our lives. What I realized is no, it's all difficult to disclosing too many information. But for, from my wife's side, that that existed, that 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 emotional. So and and yes, my wife is a couple of years younger. But is is it just a man thing? It's, it's pretty much my question, right? Is it is it that the man is not allowed to to show emotion, or is it a generational thing? Because for some reason, it rings through, you know, on on, on the female side, on on my wife's side, but not on 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 my side. It might be a cultural thing as well, right? But yeah, yeah, it certainly changes from country to country. I think the Anglo countries, US, England, Australia, are the toughest and the hardest and the most sometimes toxic or tough. I think in Europe, that's less so. If you look at the happiness uh, scores of people in different countries, always Scandinavia. And North Europe, who were the happiest people in the world, I think in some ways they're the most developed in this area. But I think, to answer your question, I think it's both. I think it's absolutely certainly men 
much more than women. And I think it's also very much a generational thing. MedUp Mendown is sponsored by Welldoing. It's a great platform for finding a therapist or counselor. They only accept verified professionals and they make it really easy to find one who is right for you. You can also use their personalized matching service so your availability, budget and needs are expertly matched with just the right person. If you didn't already know, success in therapy is down to making a great match with your counselor and the people at Welldoing really know how to make that happen. Plus, they have loads of stories, videos and interviews to support your mental health. Take a look at welldoing.org. But it, I mean, it, it's sort of Volker when, when you sort of mentioned about your grandparents and, and you know, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, because I studied history and that was the history that I, I sort of um, studied. And after the First World War, that, you know, Germany had, well, because like the economic reparations put on the, like, had incredible sort of, well, inflation, which, you know, we complain about it now, but, you know, during that period, you know, there was tales of people walking around with, you know, um, wheelbarrows filled with money. And, I mean, and obviously over here, sort of post-war period, you know, there there's, well, our parents were brought up on rationing. I mean, I remember sort of hearing this story about this guy sort of noticed that his wife would always cut off the end of the joint. Um, whenever she cooked like a Sunday roast and after a while he's like why why do you do that she's like well because my mum always used to do that and then I think like the like a few weeks later they went round to her mum's and um and she's like oh you know Steve asked why why I cut the end off and, and I said well you know because mum does it she said well why you know why do you do it and she's like, oh, well, because my mum used to do it and the grandmother was still alive. And basically it turned out that her oven was too small. So she always, that's why she had to cut the end of the meat. But obviously it got ingrained of this is how we do this. And so, you know, I guess if you do grow up in, you know, a, a, well, at times where things are a struggle, then... Well, yeah, the, it is. Well, the woman provides the emotional support to get through that. The male goes out and works. Yeah, but I think I think it's right. I think we unconsciously we carry on things that we learn because we think that's the way things are done. And I think I think that's why it's so important to to your the podcast that you're doing to start conversations around men and what we want the culture to be like, and perhaps what we don't want the culture to be like. Because if we never talk about it, we'll just carry on being cold guys without much joy in our lives, working all the time, not connecting with our kids or our wives. So, I mean, is is that how you feel you were? Cold and, and yeah. not engaging with your children? As... Yeah. I, I certainly... In my work, I used to be very cold and introverted because that's a bit how I thought the company was, rational. I wasn't myself. I was somebody. I was like somebody else when I went to work. 
because I was insecure and I thought that's what you have to do to fit in. Now I'm a leadership coach. I've been doing it for 20 years now and I see this all over the place. And in the workshops we do, we really try and get people to open up and be themselves and play to their strengths and create a really, really safe environment so the team can have proper conversations about what's going on, about where they want to go, about what's the plan. So work is also a big part of the problem in my view, that in most big companies and in a lot of small companies as well, that the culture and the atmosphere is pretty male and pretty cold and not much fun and not really about relationships and inspiring and uh, yeah, crazy going to go back to work after my holiday. It's more like, oh my God, I've got to go back. My boss is going to tell me off. I haven't done this. It doesn't have to be like that. I mean, my my job, I work as a leadership coach now. If I had to mark it out a 10, I'd probably give it a 10. If I think about my old job, I worked 20 years in marketing in big companies. At the time, I probably would have given it 6 out of 10. But when I realize now what you can do with your life... I'd probably give it a one out of ten. Because I hate if I if if I had one day now doing a job that I used to do, oh, I would hate it. <laughs> but I didn't realize. I had no idea that you could do a job that was really fulfilling. So it was it was the redundancy that then led you to sort of you know, well have the therapy and question your relationship with your father that led to exactly to, to leadership. So exactly. I mean, can you sort of again sort of well explain how you then repaired you know you went from writing this letter yeah to then you know em- embracing this new liberation i guess yeah well i certainly didn't all change around when i wrote the letter that was the first step the first step was really going to see a therapist because they they understand all this stuff i had no clue what i needed to do so, so yeah, I, I did the homework that she said. And then the next step was where what she said to me is, I'd like you to go and spend some time with your father because I lived in Holland. He lived in the north of England. And try and find out what his life was like when he was young, when he was brought up, what his life was like when I was a kid. Because I, I remember you know vaguely what my life was like when I was a kid. But I have no idea what his, he was going through. So she encouraged me to do that. And by this time, luckily, he'd remarried a social worker who understood what, you know, what I was, what my therapist was trying to make happen. And so I went to see him and I had several conversations with him about his life, about trying to understand, you know, what it was like. One of the important things he did with my uh, stepmother, the social worker lady, they actually visited the children's home and read the files that went back 20, 30 years, which were incredibly critical of him as a father putting his kid in a hole. For me, that was an important thing that he actually did. Had you been in, had you continued a relationship with him? Yeah. So, how much sort of contact did you have? What yeah. from? So I had I had a not much contact with him. I saw him occasionally, but I liked. We lived in different countries, 
I was always disappointed when I went to see him. <laughs> and you know, he could, he could very easily wind me up because he wasn't caring for me or the kids. He was more interested in finding a new wife or chasing women or something. And this became so bad that my wife once said to me, is it good that you keep seeing your father? Because she could see how hurt I was. I didn't perhaps show him how hurt I was. So we had, we had a poor relationship for, for 10 years, 15, 20 years. And then this therapist said, can you go and see him and talk to him and, and understand him? And that was, for me, the key. Because I was 40 years old, I never really understood him. We, we used to say, me and my sisters, he misses the father gene. <laughs> we thought it was a bit odd, a bit strange. Uh, we couldn't really work him out. And anyway, so I went to see him. And during five or six conversations that I had with him, I really started to understand his childhood. And he was brought up in the 1930s on a remote farm in Yorkshire. His dad was never there. He worked in a factory six days a week. His mum ran everything to do with the children. So he didn't really have any contact hardly with his own father. And I also heard some stories of how uh, unemotional the mother was and the father. It was almost like they were trained or the culture said, you mustn't be emotional. One of the saddest ones was I read his sister's sort of life story and she described in the war when she was I think about 11 she had to go down south because she had asthma she stayed in another home where the weather was a little bit better than in Halifax in the north and she basically said when she went to the station and her mother put her on the train to go down to the south of England the station master said to her this is the time you have to give your daughter a hug and a kiss she didn't know her mother the father in this poor community in Yorkshire, they didn't, emotions were for the, they, my dad sometimes said they were for the rich kids, emotions. We didn't do that. We were tough. We were hard. We had a difficult life. So I realized that my father had a childhood which was really devoid of love, certainly expressed love, kindness, and warmth. And yeah, that's the way he is, and that's the way he was brought up. So he, had, he didn't have a clue what he was doing in terms of being our father. Yeah, so I spent quite a lot of time understanding him and, and what was going on in his life. And because I understood this, this is really, really important, because I understood his childhood, his upbringing, the way he was brought up, I could forgive him what he did to me and my sister. That was 23 years ago. If I had to describe the relationship with my dad since then, I would say fantastic. And, and the word I would use is nourishing. I know almost every story of his life. I used to love, you know, after we saw it in out, I used to love going to see him, and he'd tell me about when he was in university or when he was in Egypt, and his first affair with a girl, and his, you know, the relationships he had with his kids, his teachers. I could almost write his autobiography. So well do I know my father's life. So do you think, you know, yeah. that he was almost like, well, 
wow, someone's asking about me, but also, you know, it's coming from a male that sort of interest if he if he did yeah see and see his father i do i i I think i think because i'm his son his eldest son and we were having this conversation and we got really well we've been incredibly close for many many years i think for him that is also incredibly healing and powerful and he's got much more emotional as he's got all he's 94 next month and he's declining understandably the last few years. But between, you know, from his from when I was forty to sixty till he was eighty, I love going to see him. He gave me my my kids love going to see him. So did you? I mean, did you always keep in touch with with him in terms of so when the children were born or you know what where yeah, I did <laughs> where where did sort of the contact like come from because i mean i'm sure there's lots of people that thought well if my dad put me in a children's home yeah you know i i wouldn't want to speak to him again yeah no i understand that i understand that point of view and by god i'm glad i didn't make that decision um but the question about yeah contact he i mean he's not naturally somebody who sends birthday cards and oh how's the kids doing and that was more his social worker his second wife, his third wife actually. So he's not naturally like that. But I, 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 I know that, and I understand that. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was the one who, I was the one who was proactive in sorting out the relationship. And I'm very happy that I did that. Extremely happy that I did it. And because of that, I wouldn't have done the job that I, I wouldn't have had the guts to go out and do my own thing and set up my own business before I fixed it with my dad. I mean, from a very sort of simple cod psychology point of view, I mean, do you think that's because you'd finally had that acceptance almost that you'd been seeking in the workplace? Absolutely. Absolutely. I used to not have great relationships with bosses, and I would think there's something wrong with a boss. The problem was me. I had a hole inside of me because of this, lack of connection with my dad and the stuff, you know, the the stuff that happened when I was a kid. And it, I'd never attended to it. It had never been healed. It had never been fixed. So when we did have these conversations and we fixed the relationship, I felt free. I didn't care so much what other people thought about me. I, I used to care enormously what people thought about me because I felt whole. Um, so and, and that's what he says in the book, this bit of guy. He said, "This the relationship we have with our fathers, we have to consciously sort it out. He said, it's like in our memory banks, there is some sort of gold and some crappy stuff in a bowl, and we've got to th- sort of work it out and get the gold out. Because I remember thinking my entire childhood was a disaster because of what happened when the children's home and everything. I completely forgot that my first eight years were fantastic. I'd, that didn't fit my story. And I think he was quite a good dad in some ways when we were very young, playing with us and throwing us up in the air and playing cat, catch outside the house. But unless you sort this stuff out properly, it's going to damage you, I think. So, I mean, 
is this sort of something that you do see come up a lot in your your current role now where it is sort of hold, holding men back in the workplace so so i did i sorted it out with my dad and i obviously had an enormous benefit from it personally and then my sister in australia sent me a book the book we were referring to and in this chapter he basically said and made me realize it's not just steve core who's got a difficult relationship and i know mine's extreme and he says in this chapter he said, if you ask 10 men from Australia or US or England, and you ask them, what are the re- what's your relationship like with your father? He says, first of all, it's like opening a hand grenade. It's a subject that people don't like to talk about. It's a very difficult subject. But if you get through there, he said, the answer is always the same. From 10 men who you ask, to t- you know, how's your relationship with your father? Three will say, we have virtually no contact. Three will say, yeah, it's a bit prickly. Whenever we're together for a few hours or we meet up or something, yeah, one of them gets wound up, irritated. Um, Another three do better than that. They attend birthdays, they get together, but it's like duty. It's like a regular thing that you ought to do. There's no depth to it. And then he says, there is one out of 10 men who, when you ask them to talk about their fathers, their eyes will light up. And they will say, my father, he's like an emotional anchor in my life. And that horrified me when I read that. Horrified me. Because what he's essentially saying is one out of 10 men has got a good, healthy, nourishing relationship with his father. And in my views, this is the biggest problem in our world. It's a terrible problem, and nobody talks about it. And what I realized from my story and my personal experience was, I I was probably one of the first three. Now, I had a really bad relationship with my dad until I was 40, and then, because I understood him, it went from being one of the worst three to the best one. And it completely changed my life in my work, my relationship with myself, my kids, everything. And nobody knows this stuff. <laughs> Your question, Dave, do I see this in my career as a leadership coach? You bet I see it. Yeah. I work with hundreds of men and... We don't often talk, sometimes we do, we don't often talk because I'm a leadership coach, I'm not a a male therapist, but yeah, you can tell most of the guys are closed, workaholic-y, very rational, not that they're, I would say they're managers, they're not leaders, and what we need in the world is leadership, what we need in companies is leadership, with all the changes going through and, and I think you, as, as, as you say, I mean, I, I see that as well. And to be honest, with my own experience as well, right? You know, the, the way you treat other male leaders, managers, right, is a reflection of your relationship with with, with your parents. And um, I mean, I've, I've, I've been very quiet, A, because David got, got the word in first, um, but also because 
I'm, I'm, I'm listening with awe because there, there's so many things that resonate. So a couple of things I noted. Um, besides, just 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 for the record, David mentioned the award, wasn't me. So, <laughs> you know, um, the uh, you know, Paul, I, I because I always thought we wouldn't mention the war on the on the podcast, but I don't want to. <laughs> What a digress here too much. Historical context. <laughs> you know, it was uh, yeah. Um, but what 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 I've experienced, and I just wanted to share that. Um, a because I always want to point out our sponsor, Well Doing as well, um, who kindly sponsors a podcast, and they they have therapists, right? So you to to your point, to, 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 you know, if if someone looks for a therapist, so I I've had um therapists before, and um what what I've done a couple of times over over my lifetime. Is family constellation to look at how how has your family life or death in, influenced you and, and and your relationships, and I've gone even that far and, and I found that really interesting and, and that's why I think it's worth mentioning to talk to my dad um, who's still alive and and to talk to my granddad who, who died a few years ago um, in the constellation and and look at things that have influenced his life and as you can imagine right um my, my granddad as i say did obviously live through the wars and you know had had to do things um which you know probably were quite heroic at the time but obviously made him the person and you can just the person he he, he was or or is and you can just imagine how his dad would have been right and in terms of you know as, as you said earlier in terms of um you know they they were rebuilding you know they were you know tough times right so i can imagine you know what 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 your dad went went through as well so i think that's that's worth mentioning for for anyone who is listening and you know wants to look deeper into that to look for for family constellation you know therapists or you know go go deeper into that because there's there's so much we you know as as you described it and and i think i've i've went through a similar journey and i don't want to talk about that you know today but we where once you solve those problems, you you can move on because if you don't solve them, you come up with the same challenge over and over again until you you, you solve that. And for you, that was clearly obviously the the relationship with your dad. And and you know, I I hundred percent you know agree. I think for most of us, I think it's you know it's a relationship with our dad and and our parent, and it makes us stuck as a leader. It it makes us you know not being able to form relationships with our own children with our partners and, you know, and, and it has an impact on our life as, you know, you know, make it, making friends even, you know, as you say, you know, go, go to the pub at the weekend just to, just to drown the feelings, right? We, we can't express. So there was a long, long comment, but I thought once I got the word in over David, thought I'd mention that. <laughs> That's all from my end, looking at the time. We, we don't have much time left. That was a deep, deep discussion. It leaves me with a lot of th- lot of thoughts. I have to say, thank you. But obviously, we're going to put Steve's TED talk in the show notes. But I mean, if you know, if people want want to uh, find out more about you, about you know, well, your TED talk and your leadership business, uh, leadership coaching, where, where can they find you, Steve? Well, my website is uh, corebusiness.nl for the Netherlands. And my talk is on YouTube, understanding ourselves as men. And yeah, one of my passions in life, big, big passion, is getting this talk out there. Whether it's social media, whether it's standing up in front of a hundred people in the army or business, I, I don't care. 
Um, but if anybody out there can help me spread the word, especially about understanding ourselves and fixing it with our father, yeah, that would be fantastic. Great. Well, thanks for coming on, Steve. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.